Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Hello. As we prepare to celebrate Jesus' birth this Christmas, we'll be looking at a couple of bits of the Bible telling us about what this baby would be called, because they're going to help us remember who Jesus is and why we have so much from his birth to celebrate even after all of this time. Now, I don't know about you, but in the run-up to Christmas, I do like a good nativity. The tea towels, the singing, it's often really full-on or else rather forgotten words. And even when it's not quite in tune, there's something rather precious, it seems to me. I confess, I cried through each of our children's nativity performance. They each did just great. One of ours only just managed to uh, ting a triangle somewhere right near the end, uh, and that got me just as much as all the others. You know that thing, and maybe you haven't seen the nativity, maybe you've just heard about it from a very proud parent who wants you to know the latest amazing thing that their darling has done. You ever had that moment where you're being told whether you want to or not about a special niece or nephew or the most incredible grandchild? And when that meets nativity, it goes to a whole new level. Maybe it's the parent of an amazing Madison who um, was the Christmas aardvark, uh, sharing their termites with the baby Jesus. Crazy, crazy stuff. But today we're listening to some pretty colossal claims for a child. But it's not the mother or the, the... It's not the parents telling us who's listening. In fact, the mother isn't even a mother yet. And she's not even planning on being a mother, well, not quite just yet. She has some plans, but they're all about getting married. This pre-pre-mother is getting told by someone else how wonderful her little boy will be by an angel, a heavenly angel messenger, no less. Actually, not just any angel, I'll tell you. This was the angel Gabriel, who happens to be something of a high-ranking angel. Angel in chief, perhaps. Today, we'll consider the colossal claims the angel Gabriel made to Mary, the mother of Jesus, just before she was his mother. They take hope to whole new levels. If we've ever heard them, we might have only ever heard them in childish terms, at a nativity. For to you in David's town is born this day. What we're told about the nativity in the Bible is certainly moving and memorable, but that's probably where the similarity ends. There was nothing much cute or endearing about this moment. No imaginative flights of fancy. It seems more terrifying than entertaining or funny. So let's hear together what the Bible says as I read from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. So, Gabriel's message for Mary was big news. It was enormous, stupendous, fantastic, astounding, astonishing. Yep, it was pretty shocking. You shall call his name Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but lots of people at that time called their child Jesus. Well, mainly the Greek-speaking ones, because that was the Greek way of saying that particular name. It's most likely that Mary and Joseph uh, spoke something called Aramaic, which was the common language of the time, a little bit like Hebrew. So they may have said Joshua or Yeshua. Anyway, what you really need to know is that however it said, it meant the same thing. And it meant the Lord saves. The various forms of this great name were popular because many people believed they needed God's rescue. They needed a leader. They needed a champion here and now. And with each generation, the hope, the longing, they cling to it. It continued in one way or another. It was held. And one way they expressed that hope was in naming their baby boys. Except Luke is carefully telling us something here, and I don't want us to miss that. This wasn't just the kind of Mary and Joseph carrying on the cultural norm, a, a tradition that was getting a bit hollow and, and emptier with time, or, or it wasn't even wishful thinking of new parents. No, because it wasn't because Mary was super ambitious for her child or because Luke really hoped it might turn out that way. This time, it was completely different. God had spoken. You shall call his name Jesus. God is speaking. He's, he's offering real hope to those who knew they needed it. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're told that Joseph had a similar message from heaven, an angel speaking to him in a dream. And, and when the angel told Joseph his fiancée, would have a baby uh, that you, Joseph, didn't plan, that, that's not yours, I, God, planned this child. And you, Joseph, will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
shocking stuff. I mean, what do these parents-to-be make of that? I'm fascinated that neither Mary or Joseph or anyone else around them, Luke seems to be saying, oh, save us from our sins, right? Oh, okay. So sin's like a real thing then. Hmm, that's fascinating. Are you sure that's necessary? I mean, are you really quite sure we've all been that bad? Actually, are you saying that there's something we couldn't fix ourselves? Or you know, even if we all work together in some way, you're gonna he will save us? No. Many people believed they needed real hope from God. Their issue was whether or not Jesus was that real hope. And that's what Luke is writing. That's what we got from Luke, his account to set that out. Luke wanted us to read this and know that Jesus is the answer to our longings. He is our hope. He is the one we all need. More than just a few people's hope for something better, he is our hope. The Lord really does save. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus. That's still true for you, still true for me today. The hopes and fears of 2020 and 2021 as well. I wonder if these days, if we're better at longing for what we want rather than hoping for what we need. If that's true, it could be because we spent more time thinking about wants than needs. We've got rather good at that these days. I'm no expert on festive hits and stuff, but it seems to me all I want for Christmas has been bigger than all I need for Christmas ever could have been. Christmas has become a festival of wanting. And if you don't get what you want for Christmas, rush out to the sales right after and put that right straight away. Real hope got replaced with just about any sort of desire. As we speak, as I speak, we're still living through a pandemic. And this coming Christmas looks set to be very different in many practical ways. Do you know what you need? Do you know you need a rescue? Do we all know what we need more than anyone else or anything else that we have convinced ourselves we really want? Where is your hope this Christmas? Gabriel told Mary, Jesus is our real hope. And he also said, he will be great, a powerful hope. The thing is, Luke has already told us uh, a little bit earlier on in his writing about a heavenly message to another child called John who will be great before the Lord. People who knew John thought, hmm, right, uh, that's the locust-eating guy, okay, the one with the unusual dress sense. Uh, They might not have seen him as great 
but God did. But the key difference here is Luke is telling us Jesus will be greater than this other guy, John the Baptist, great in qualified terms. Jesus' greatness was unqualified. He will be great, period. Everyone would see his greatness. One day, everyone will recognize his greatness. However they feel about it, he will be great. And he will be acknowledged as great. Luke was writing for people, including his friends, who might have known something of Jesus. Maybe they'd heard of his reputation. Maybe they'd heard a thing or two about his life. Some, hmm, yeah, powerful teacher, wasn't he? Oh, I heard he did some miracles. Maybe they were impressed by him, or maybe not. Maybe they had some hope for what his life would achieve. Just maybe. Then maybe that hope came a cropper when Jesus got executed, shamefully terminated by the Roman authorities. Could the bloke called the Lord saves not even save himself? There's an ironic name, eh? Some might have thought. Maybe they heard some mention of Jesus' incredible, death-defying power a few days later as he rises to life again, which, if true, would be pretty powerful. But what did it all add up to? And Luke is encouraging all of us to make our minds up about that too. What did Jesus achieve? Was he great? Luke is beginning his book explaining that Jesus didn't merely achieve greatness. He wasn't striving for it and ultimately, yes, he reached his goal. He didn't become great. He was great. He is great. And Luke knew that we needed a rescue. We were powerless to rescue ourselves. Someone else greater than us would be our only hope. And Jesus is that someone. The bard William Shakespeare said, Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. Others have greatness thrust upon them. Well, Luke, the gospel writer, says, no one was ever born greater than Jesus. Obviously, I have no idea how great you were born, uh, what great achievements you made, or, or what sort of greatness has been thrust upon you, or perhaps you wish was thrust upon your life. I do know that he will be great. Jesus is great. We're all following ourselves when we're believing, I will be great. <laughs> Jesus' followers are completely uh, living in a completely different direction. Believing instead, he will be great. I wonder what you're trying to fix in your life. What kind of greatness you're hoping to fixed together to achieve. Perhaps you're still hoping one way or another to prove your own greatness. Do you know his greatness? 
Do you know he's great enough to rescue you, to turn your life around? That's just for starters. Your life is meant to be an exploration of how much of his greatness you might possibly get to know, inexhaustible as it is. Do you know he's great enough to lead you, to help you, to comfort and protect you every step of the way? He is our anointed waymaker, truth speaker, freedom proclaimer, favor announcing, good shepherd, saviour, rescuer, healer, deliverer, teacher and redeemer and so much more besides. What are you looking to Jesus for? What are you looking to him for? Gabriel told Mary, Jesus was a powerful hope. He also told her, he will be called Son of the Most High. He was hope from heaven. Now, let me tell you, Son of the Most High is effectively the same thing as saying Son of God. That's why Gabriel went on to explain to Mary, the Most High will give you this baby. Later we hear Jesus using the term Most High referring to God as the one who's kind to the bad and the ungrateful. Jesus told us we'd be behaving ourselves like sons of the Most High if we love our enemies. The Most High means Son of God. The thing is, and it needs to be that, because throughout the Bible there's this growing recognition that life is blighted. It's corrupted. Ruined by something catastrophic and beyond our recovery. The Bible calls this problem sin. Sometimes at Christmas, you probably heard it, there's talk of getting off the naughty list and onto the nice list, as if a few minor improvements in behavior are enough to transform us. The irony is that if any of us could make ourselves good enough for the nice list, Christmas would never have happened. It wouldn't need to. We couldn't make ourselves good enough. And if we couldn't make ourselves good enough, who could? Christmas is hope from heaven that when we couldn't save ourselves, heaven came to our rescue. We were powerless in the face of this thing, sin. We needed a stronger power than us for our rescue. One stronger, one outside of ourselves, one other than us. Christmas is not just the launch of another rescue attempt for and from humanity. It's about our rescue by one who is other than humanity, needing a word to capture the difference between us and other. The Bible uses the term holy. 
And one Christmas carol puts it like this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. He will be called Son of the Most High, meant that finally the cavalry were riding over the hill for us. <laughs> Except in this instance, there was just one member of the cavalry who was going to grow up here and then carry our sin and shame up the hill. But hopefully the metaphor still works. We celebrate at Christmas that one has come. Jesus, who will go all the way to Easter and beyond for us. The thing about babies, you see, is they, they grow up rather quickly for most parents. <laughs> this baby we think of at Christmas grew up and asked, who do you say I am? Quite a direct question. And our answer is fundamental to what difference he can make in our lives. A good moral teacher, some might say, but a good moral teacher might have said better things than me, I'm sure they would, but couldn't rescue me any more than I could rescue myself. Yet one from heaven whose words spoke creation into being can speak life and health, and rescue, and restoration, transformation into my life, and into yours. Who do you say that he is? If he's hope from heaven, then surely we would all want to say, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. But that's something we'll think about a bit more next time. For now, we remember Gabriel told Mary Jesus was hope from heaven. Gabriel also told Mary this hope in Jesus would be exactly as promised and that it's eternal. It's enough and it's unfailing. Wow. So in this first look at Christmas, at what this Christmas baby was called, we find this Christmas is anything but tame or cute uh, or, or a comforting domestic scene as a new couple just about managed to find a place in Bethlehem where they can have a baby and a few extra guests pop in. The first Christmas was very conscious of reality. It was so aware of our needs the needs of time and history, who we are and what we need, who Jesus is and what only he can do in our lives. I can't imagine there was anything even slightly sentimental about it. And it was definitely all about our needs as God saw them and responded to them in amazing ways that first Christmas.
Christmas is about God being present in incredible ways. No one like it had ever known that before. Present with real hope, powerful hope, and hope from heaven. So let's respond to him right now, remembering our need for him and remembering who he is. Let's worship our Saviour. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.